Well, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. Thank you for your participation um, with our remembrance uh, uh, time and ceremony. And uh, uh, I just, uh, what a unique opportunity to be together on a day like today. And uh, I'm just so grateful. And I just, I just love it so much that not only is it Remembrance Day, but that it was Communion Sunday and how that came together. And uh, I'm just just so thankful, just so thankful. So today I have, luckily for you, or not so lucky, I'm not sure, depending on how you feel, but I have a shorter message today, and uh, I want to share it with you. And uh, God has really been uh, just speaking to me in a, in a unique way in the last little while, and uh, every once in a while he just really uh, dumps a lot of stuff on me just to, to process through. And so today is just a different sort of message, um, and I just, uh, I come humbly to you today, and, uh, but I do think that God's put this on my heart, and I just want to share it with you. So the title of t- uh, today's message is Citizens and Saints, and if you've read the scripture verse in the past, you'll understand why it says that. But uh, you, we've been in a, a series of messages over the last few weeks, and uh, so today I'm going to go off script, and we're, I'm going to do something a little different. Uh, but you've heard me say maybe from time to time that I look at our church as a family, uh, for me, church is a family, and I learned this a while ago, and uh, what I love about it is that we are family even if we don't want to be, <laughs> and sometimes we get agitated by our family. Uh, sometimes we just love our family so much, and it's all good, but there's so many different emotions, and I love the fact that whether uh, you or I like it, we're family, and that's because we're a part of God's family. Um, when I was... Uh, uh, a young youth pastor uh, back in the day. Um, it's okay, you can laugh. Uh, there was uh, these, uh, the, the, the youth group I had, everyone would say to me, well, Pastor Jay, we are family. So there's a bunch of teenagers saying, we are family. And I'd say, that is ridiculous. I, say, there's, I said, some of you are going to get married someday, and you're going to be marrying your family. And it's, you, know, you want to really do that? And uh, actually, some of them have gotten married, so it is kind of funny. And, uh, but the truth is, is that when we come together as a church, we really are family, and we need to treat each other as such. And now, treat each other as good family, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, so I'm excited about this. But I do... Uh, I talk about the church's family because that's how I've always operated in my personal ministry. When you're in a family, you tend to forgive one another's failures a bit more, right? You've, uh, you're, we, we, we become more forgiving because it's family, and you want family in your life. I don't. There are people out there, I'm not going to say there's not, but I don't mean many people that aren't interested in having family in their life. Um, one of the greatest examples of family is sometimes when a child that has just kind of walked away from their family is welcomed back in by their parents. That's kind of the, the greatest symbol of God's love for us when families do those sorts of things. But when a family member does something out of character or out of alignment with the family, family values, there is often accountability in a family, right? There's accountability there. When you make a, uh, when you make a large purchase without your spouse's knowledge— there is forgiveness, right? Okay, we won't. We will leave that one alone. You see, families. I didn't do it, Arlene. Just so you know. Okay, <laughs> families. <laughs> I sent Arlene a photo of a piece of furniture this week, and all she wrote back was 
No. <laughs> I was really upset. Uh, okay. And I don't buy furniture, but anyways. Arlene's against my personal taste. Does anyone have wives like that? All right. Families can be dysfunctional also, can't they? How many of you, you know, it doesn't have to be your family, but you know of a family that's dysfunctional. Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Families can be dysfunctional also. They can operate in a way that just makes your head spin. But when a family operates well, it's firing on all cylinders, is it not? So let's open Ephesians 2, verse 19. It's our scripture verse today. I'm keeping it simple. I only have one verse. All right, this is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. So Ephesians 2, verse 9 says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What an amazing, amazing statement to the church, that we are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Here's a, a story about citizenship. I, I hope you find it funny. Otherwise, it'll be a waste of time. In Dallas, the Delta, it's a, it's a story about someone from Texas, so it has to be funny. In Dallas, the Delta Airlines Reservation Office received a call from a troubled dog owner. Can I take my dog on the same plane with me? The woman asked timidly. The agent assured her that she could. Then he asked, where do you plan to go? Well, came the word reply, I'm thinking about going to Mexico City. What I really want to know is this. If I take my dog with me and she has puppies while we're down there, will they be American citizens? <laughs> Only in Texas. All right. Citizenship was so important to the New Testament church. Paul was speaking to the Gentiles here in this verse, and he felt as though they were on the outside, or they felt as though they were on the outside, but Paul stated a clear claim to the Gentiles that all are a part of God's family. You are not a second-class citizen when it comes to God's kingdom. We're not second-class citizens. No matter where you were born, what your place of origin is, where you fit in your family's birth order, you are chosen by God to be in his family. That's what it means. As a believer, we are full of equal, uh, we are full and equal members of God's household. Here's a quote for you. They are not only full citizens, but also full and equal members of God's household. Another commentator writes this, the recreation of the family of God upon the earth is the central purpose of Christ's coming. Let me read that again. The recreation of the family of God upon the earth is the central purpose of Christ's coming. You see, this family of God is the central purpose of Christ returning. What we need, to, what we need is recognition that each of us are a part of God's family. Each of us are a part of his family. I've had a burden on my heart this week, and uh, in, in the last few weeks, I've, I, in particular this last week, we've had 30 to 40 people come into our church that I would say are either far from God or don't know who he is at all. 
Think about that. Church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. I sat back the other night and was in amazement of how God is bringing people into our midst. And sometimes we are completely missing it. We're completely missing it. Church, uh, churches need to move past just a once-a-week occurrence. One of the greatest tragedies of the North American church and the Western world is that we look at church as a once-a-week opportunity, a once-a-week thing. How, how crazy is that that we would look at what is taking place in a one or two or three hours, if you're a crazy church, one time a week? How crazy is that that we would just think that? Churches, we need to move past that just a once-a-week occurrence. You see, I believe that everyone in this church this morning can make a difference. I believe every one of us can make a difference. You see, I believe that every one of us is here with a purpose. Each of us has something significant to offer God's house. You see, this house is made up of a family. John Stott wrote this, The words no longer strangers and sojourners, but citizens, emphasize the contrast between the rootlessness of a life outside of Christ and the stability of being a part of God's new society. Why do we think that people that don't know God are unstable in life? Because they aren't where they're called to be. In the root of God's house, having roots in the ground because they've been brought together by God's family. Stock goes on to say, we no longer live on a passport, but we really have our birth certificates. We really do belong. We belong with the family of God. You see, when it comes to family, there's something that I put great value on. It's a quality that not all have, but I believe can be attained by everyone. This quality is simple. The quality is maturity. God is calling and looking for mature people who can take his word and share it with others around us. But as I'm seeing people come into our family, they may not even be aware of what's going on. We may not be aware of what's going on, and I'm becoming concerned. If I could be so bold this morning, I must ask this question. Where are our men? And let me tell you why. We live in a world where it consists of a fatherless generation. That's our world. It's a fatherless generation. There's never been a greater need for men to rise up and be fathers to broken people in our world. I look at our Sunday kids ministry. I know we need workers. Uh, we always need workers. But do you know that every worker, volunteer we have with our kids is a mom in our church? Think about that. That shouldn't be the case. It should be shared amongst everyone, not left up to just a few. Uh, for the last few weeks, I left an announcement in the bulletin, and I shared the needs of a few of the areas in our church. Some of those areas were filled, and I'm so grateful for it. But do you want to guess what need was listed, and nobody came forward to even ask for info? Our kids. 
We need men to rise up. Today, there's a call on my life to call today's men, and t- tomorrow maybe it, uh, women, who knows, but to call men off the sidelines. We are not to be sitting uh, uh, by the, the wayside anymore waiting to get called upon. You are called. I think of our alpha team. Everyone has done uh, uh, and is still doing such a great job. We're more than halfway through. I'm so excited. Be in prayer for us on Saturday. We're praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit and all of us at Alpha on Saturday. I'm so excited about it, so be in prayer for it. But as I look around on Thursday nights, I don't see any men hosting our tables. I was at youth this week. If a few of the male leaders are unavailable, all of a sudden there is no men there. This should not be. We need men to rise up. I want, again, I want to call you off the sidelines today. My grandpa gave me a book a couple of years ago, and as I began to read it, I broke into tears as I read through the first few chapters, and I learned this truth. Here it is. When young men aren't fathered, they take on two specific characteristics. They begin to carry feminine personality traits. And the second one is they become angry young men. That's what happens. Why? Because they don't have a male role model in their life. That's why it happens. Church, this is a broken, lost world. We know this. I've shared this before. There's a pastor at a very large church in the western USA They run a program where a couple thousand young adults come to a school of ministry every year for a calendar year. And when asked what the greatest need was for young adults, he said, instantly, they need fathers. They need fathers. There are young people scattered on our streets. I've said it before. Some people say, well, that's Espanola. That's the way we are. That may be the case. But let me tell you something. There is a fatherless, parentless generation roaming these streets every night of the year. You just have to drive around. You can pick them up. You can be a taxi service for them. There are young people scattered. But God has given this family an amazing gift. Now think about this. I said 30 to 40 people just this last week came through our doors Whether knowingly or unknowingly, I don't know how they got here. But they heard about God. They heard about Jesus, his death on a cross, and his resurrection, and his gift of eternal life for any one of them that would choose so. Church, that is not normal. (laughs) That is not normal in our world. That is peculiar. And what I've been learning about the Holy Spirit is when there are peculiarities happening in our midst, it is because of God's anointing falling down upon us. I read stories this week. We think about uh, today we are thinking back to the end of the Great War 100 years ago. I read stories this week from 100 years ago of Pentecostal history where people would be in buildings just like this and that before the pastor even got into his message or halfway through his message, let alone get to the end, there'd be people who had just come off the street and would stand up and shout that, I need to be saved. 
That's what happens when God's anointing falls on his church. And I look at our, our congregation today, and I look at this past week, and I see young people. They don't know why they're here. They, they've just shown up because someone invited them or they had nowhere else to go. And they come, and they hear God's message. They're loved by God's people. People come in for Alpha every week. They would never set foot in a church on a Sunday morning. But they're coming here, maybe for free food. I don't care. But they're coming and hearing the gospel of God. Jesus Christ. They're coming. And they're coming back. <laughs> they're not just coming once. They're coming back. Think about it. People are coming to hear about God. People who don't even know about Him. They are searching and they don't even realize it. Mature men are so important for the health of, health of our church. I need men to partner with the ministry of this church. The question I get asked most when I say things like this, but pastor, what do I do? What do I do? Here's where I always begin. I shake someone's hand and I say hello. That's where I begin. Are teenagers scary? Yes, they are. They are terrifying sometimes. Sorry to the teens in the room. I, I'm not trying to be mean. It's scary. But here's, here's, here's what I've realized. Do you know that just as much as you're scared of them, they're more scared of you? I realized uh, I grew up in this world of youth ministry where you couldn't hug anyone. All right? You can't hug people because they'll take it the wrong way and someone will get sued and I'll get put in jail and all these things. And I got sick and tired of it. So what I would do and I made it awkward so that people knew it was awkward. But I would go up to the young girls in my youth group, and I'd side hug them, and I'd say, I'm so glad you're here tonight. And do you want to know one of the reasons why I did it? Was because, because I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the truth. But I did it because I wanted them to have one man in their life who would hug them without expecting anything in return. I didn't care. Some of these girls were never hugged. Or if they were hugged, they, we won't go there. I wanted them to know that they were loved. That they were loved. What if a couple of guys, our men, showed up at youth on a youth night just to assist, just to welcome a few of these young people shake their hand and say hello what if we did that what if we made sure that everyone in the room felt welcome do you know that i believe everyone in this room can make a difference you see i need our church to be good father figures to those around us you see we are a family we aren't just random people we're not just random people God has hand-selected you to be a part of his kingdom. Now, to the women, I'm not letting you off the hook today. If you're married, I want you to release your husband to do whatever God has called him to do. Do not make your, do not make your insecurity his insecurity. Now, think about that. Don't make your insecurity his insecurity. 
I believe you have a place in our church. I remember a number of years ago, a ministry friend of mine told me a story. I'll say it quickly because I'm out of time. But the story came from a church in Hamilton that didn't have a lot of younger people in it. And so they ended up connecting with the local university close to them. I think it was McMaster, one of those ones. And some of the young people from the school began to come to church on Sundays. There were a few older women in the church that just simply would invite these young people over for dinner on a Sunday or on a night that week. Just this simple act of kindness made a difference. Let me give you a secret to youth. They are hungry at all times. They <laughs> if, you, if three people ask them out for dinner the same night, they will go to three houses and eat their food. There was a battle when Arlene and I first started dating because Arlene's family ate dinner at an ungodly hour. Four o'clock. Yeah, 4.30. Yeah, right. So I managed to go over there it made my mom so mad. I went over, and I ate Arlene's mom's food, and I psyched myself up to go home afterwards, and then I ate my mother's food. <laughs> oh, boy. Let me ask you this question. What part do you play in our church family? What part do you play in our church family? When we are mature Christians, we look for what part we can help with in the family. You're not foreign to God's family. You're a part of his family. So today we come back to our text. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Let me read you a quote and we'll close. The metaphor changes and becomes more intimate. You are members of the household of God. A kingdom is one thing. A household or family is another. And in Christ, Jews and Gentiles find themselves more than fellow citizens under his rule. They are together children in his family. They're children. I have a uh, closing story I want to read you, or poem or something. I don't know what it is. It's just a thing. The beauty of a house is harmony. The security of a house is loyalty. The joy of a house is love. The plenty of a house is in children. The rule of a house is service, and the comfort of a house is God himself. This message today isn't uh, coming in the, in the spirit of judgment or condemnation. I'm just trying to share what God has put on my heart. If I don't share what God is telling and convicting me of, I'm also being disobedient to him. So today I come to you in the name of the Lord to remind you that you can make a difference. You can make a difference. If, I have, uh, if the words I've shared today have spoken to your heart, come find me this week. Track me down. Wherever I am, just come find me. I'll be in the office all week, but if you see me somewhere else, just come talk to me, all right? Because you can make a difference. You can make a difference. You really can. Would you stand with me? Just as a little bit of proof and to share testimony, there was at least three young people that gave their hearts to the Lord at youth on a Friday night. So I'm telling you, <laughs> amen, I'm telling you that 
There are people coming to hear about God. Think about that. They're coming. I am amazed by that. I'm amazed by that. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read you a benediction. So, God, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word today. We thank you for the chance to read your scriptures and to act upon what you've spoken. So, God, would this word not go forth and not come back, Lord, but would it have a return to it, Lord, where there's action, there's needs accomplished through your word. God, that people are inspired to make a difference in our church and our community God, I'm so grateful. And Lord, in this day of remembrance, Lord, I, I pray that we would not forget the sacrifice that was made by so many in our country. And the sacrifice that continues to be made, God, it's not that it's over by any means. But God, we remember the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross for the forgiveness of every one of our sins. And we praise you for that today, Lord Jesus. So God, would your hand be upon us, bless us, keep us safe, bring us back here safely this time next week. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Just a quick word of encouragement. We had a number of uh, people, uh, politicians, and uh, different people posting about the crosses that are outside our church. So I was just, man, I was just so uh, blessed and encouraged by it. I just started sharing things that other people were sharing because I was like, this is cool. So uh, I know last year it also had a great impact. Well, here's the benediction for today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. All right, church, bless you. See you tonight, 6 o'clock. Going to be great, and uh, good luck out there in the wild, wild north.